Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom. I am Dr. Ann Davis, one of the Bible Interact teachers. My passion and my expertise is recovering first century methods of the way the people of ancient Israel would have heard scripture. It turns out this is a very different way of Bible study from what is normally taught in churches and Bible study groups and even in seminaries and universities. However, What I want to do today is something a little bit different. I want to get practical. We're going to have to go to scripture to to search out this topic, which is how to hear from God. Maybe some of you are hearing from God on a regular basis, and if so, you might be interested in what I'm uncovering in scripture about that. Maybe some of you hear from God every once in a while. Maybe some of you don't know how to hear from God. Let's just go to Scripture and see what Scripture says about hearing from God. What really initiated my interest in this topic was one of my students who is doing a a wonderful in-depth study of fasting as Scripture explains about the purpose of fasting and the need for fasting, the results of fasting, the consequence of fasting. She found something very interesting. She found that in every case in Scripture, after fasting occurred, the person heard from God. I found that very interesting. And to me, it suggested, I mean, it's not conclusive, but it suggested that perhaps before hearing from God, we have to be in some in some frame or form of mind or, or, or you know actually I think we have to dump things out of our mind but there, we have to put ourselves in a, in a certain frame of reference here that allows us to hear from God now how do you go to scripture to 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 learn about this it's very easy you have to have a concordance I I suggest that people use an online concordance that they can find at biblos.com. And I was interested in the phrase, the voice of God. And so I used a concordance to look up where the voice of God appears. Now, what I'm using gives me the the Hebrew, if I'm in the Hebrew Scriptures and the Greek, if I'm in the New Testament, as well as the English, and it'll give me several English translations. So I probably have a little bit more to work with than you do. But just working in a concordance with the English voice of God will will get you into Scripture and able to to see where people heard the voice of God. Now, before, you know, you, you want to jump to the conclusion, oh, I want to hear the voice of God. I want to hear an audible voice, or I want to hear something where God is, is giving me information, is speaking to me. But guess what, folks? You can't just jump into something like that without preparation. And the preparation in Scripture comes in two ways. First of all, we see 
that the voice of God is in the Word of God. Now we see the Bible as words. We see words that we read. We don't hear the voice of God. We don't recognize that these words are the voice of God. But Scripture is very, very, very clear. The inspired Word of God, which is the Holy Scriptures, we call the Bible, contains the voice of God. Let me uh, show you that. In I'm in uh, Deuteronomy 15, verse 5. And we read, If you listen obediently to the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all this commandment which I am commanding you today. For the Lord your God shall bless you as he has promised you, and so forth. So the children of Israel were instructed to listen to the voice of the Lord your God. And by listening to the voice of the Lord their God, they were, they were to observe carefully all the commandments. People in the ancient world didn't have books like we do. They heard the word of God. It was spoken, and, and they memorized it. It was spoken to them, and it was repeatedly spoken to them, and so they internalized it, and we call this memorizing. They internalized it. So they they heard, and it's here, they heard the voice of the Lord your God. So the first principle in your preparation to do what you want to do, which is maybe to hear a voice or to hear a, a thought that enters your mind, is to 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 know and and to put into your heart that the holy writings are the voice of God. And that is where we have to go first to hear the voice of God. Now, there is another principle that is very important that needs to be part of your preparation to hear from God. And we're going to find that in Psalm 29, verse 3, and what follows. Psalm 29 repeats the voice of the Lord over and over and over again. That phrase, the voice of the Lord, is repeated. And what it's saying here is that the voice of God is in his creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. You look at his creation and you hear the voice of God. That's what the psalm is telling us. Now let me read you here, starting with, uh, let's see, Psalm 29, verse 3. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. In other words, the wind is so strong. The cedars are the most powerful trees that the Israelites could imagine. And that wind that's coming from God would break the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. And he makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a wild ox. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer to calve. So it's not just the thunder and the shaking of the earth, but he causes the deer to calve. He, he, these, these things that seem so miraculous in his creation and strips the forest bare, and in his temple everything says glory. 
So we have two principles here I want you to understand. The first is that the voice of God is in his word. And second is that the voice of God is in his creation. You know, I live in the mountains of New Mexico, and I have the, uh, the opportunity, and it's a blessing, to be able to walk outside of the door of my home, and I'm in God's creation. I can hike in a wilderness. I'm in God's creation. It's, it's, it's a blessing. But we should take that opportunity to get out where we can see. Or you just look up into the heavens. <laughs> and, of course, where I live, there's no, there's no light from a city. So I look up into the heavens and I see billions and billions and billions of stars. It's really incredible. So God makes himself known. He speaks through his creation. Now, I want to go in now to actually hearing the voice of God. Before I actually before I do that, I just want to make a point. Some people hear an audible voice, but not everyone hears an audible voice. I personally have never heard an audible voice. But when I prepare myself, you know, I I, I what I try to do is I, I, I try to take deep breaths. Um, I, I, I get myself really calm. I get everything extraneous out of the way so that I, I, I'm not aware of what is around me. And I pray. And I ask God for something. Sometimes I, I have a response. Sometimes I don't. But when I get a response, it's a sudden thought in my mind. It's not an audible voice. It's a sudden thought in my mind. So I tell you this not that you should do what I do or you should hear an audible voice. I tell you this because there are different ways that people hear the voice of God. And I may not be expressing all of them. And you have to find the way that God speaks to you. But let's go now into God speaking to his people. And I'm going to turn to De- Deuteronomy chapter 4.33. And we read here, Has any people heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire as you have heard it and survived? Now this is the account of the children of Israel at Mount Sinai. And God, they were down at the foot of the mountain and and there was thunder and lightning and the lightning was like fire. There was fire on the mountain. And out of that, that thunder and the lightning and the fire came the voice of God. So Moses went up to the mountain and heard the voice of God. The people of Israel were at the foot of the mountain and actually heard the voice of God up at the top of the mountain. And then it says that they heard it and survived it. Because when you hear the voice of God, you are in the presence of God. And the people thought that when they came into his presence, of course they were they were sinners and so they would die. And scripture is showing them that they can come into God's presence and they will not die. Now we come into God's presence, we, we must come into God's presence in, in a righteous condition. That doesn't mean that we're perfect, but we, we have to, we have to put everything that is worldly we have to dump it out. We dump it out of our minds. We dump it out of our, our visual peripheral scope so that we are totally, it's like we're in a bubble. We're in a bubble with, with God. And, and we come to him like that. And when we do, and when we hear the voice of God or when he, when he speaks to us in some way, we are in his presence. And, and I want you to understand that. It's, it's, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. We are in his presence. And he is... And he is making himself known to us. We are in his presence. 
Now, in this case, the children of Israel heard an audible voice. But what I want to show you now is that in Scripture, people could hear from God, and it was not necessarily an audible voice. There are other ways that they heard from God. So I'm in Ezekiel uh, chapter 10, verse 5. And we hear Ezekiel explaining here that the sound of the, of the wings of the cherubim was heard as far as the outer court, that's of the temple, so that the, the sound was coming in the temple itself, but the, it was, the, the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard as far as the outer court, like the voice of God Almighty when he speaks. Now the sound of the wings is not a voice. The sound of, of the wings is like a fluttering. It's, it's like a fluttering. And, and Ezekiel was saying, like the voice of God Almighty when he speaks. So the point I want to make here is that the voice of God may be audible, but it can come in other forms. For Ezekiel, it came like the fluttering of the wings. And in the fluttering of the wings, there was, there was some presence of God. And, and there was some way that he heard from God. Um, so there, there, are, there are many different ways to hear the voice of God. Now what I'd like to do is I'd like to go into an account of someone who heard from God because the, the, the holy writings give us information in these, in these little snippets, but they also give it to us in stories, in narratives. So we, we have to learn to read the stories not as a simple story, but as a form of instruction. And we get that in the story of Elijah. You remember that Elijah uh, spoke for God, and he was the only one speaking for God. Um, Ahab was the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. His wife Jezebel uh, was a um, was a pagan. Uh, she was not from Israel. She was from a, a pagan country north of Israel, and 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 she had great influence on her husband Ahab, the king. And they had killed the prophets of God, and and only Elijah was left. But Elijah stood for God. He spoke for God. And wonderful stories about Elijah. And but finally, Jezebel was determined to kill Elijah. Also, we read now in First Kings chapter nineteen. Elijah was afraid. He was afraid for his life and arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba. He was traveling from Samaria, the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel, down uh, south, would have been probably um, uh, along the, the coastal route, and he came to Beersheba, which is, is, is south, uh, just at the, the beginning of, of the Negev desert. Um, he, he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, that was part of the territory of Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. So that wilderness would have been the Negev Desert. And Elijah came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. In other words, he, he had worked hard for God, he had served his Lord, he had done everything he could, and he was ready to die. But of course, God was not ready for him to die. <laughs> so um, God 
caused uh, bread and water to, to come to him from an angel. And then it says that um, he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb. Horeb is Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. The number 40 signifies preparation. The children of Israel were in the wilderness uh, for 40 years. Uh, Yeshua was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Here, Elijah is in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he came to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there, he, he, he said, you know, God, I, I, I need your help. <laughs> and, and God gave him some instruction. But then... God said, Go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by, and a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. I'm in First Kings 19, verse 11. And God is making himself known through his creation. Um, there's this incredible strong wind. And, and, and it's so strong, it's breaking the rocks into pieces. I mean, so God is making himself known in his creation. But the Lord was not in the wind. In other words, the voice of the Lord was not in the wind. He was making himself known in his creation, but there was no voice. And after the wind came an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. So the voice of the Lord was not in the earthquake. So God was making himself known. Elijah was clearly in his presence, but he still needed to hear from the Lord. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Now, so we've got three things. We have this strong wind, we have the earthquake, and we have the fire, all representing the creation of God. Now, what happens is something very interesting. We have here, after the fire, a sound of gentle blowing. Now, that is the New American Standard Version a sound of gentle blowing. There are different um, uh, translations here. The King James Version and the uh, New International Version say a, a um, what do they call it? They call it a, um, a still small voice. That's what they call it. Let's look at the Hebrew. The word voice is in the Hebrew. So, it... Elijah heard the voice of God, the, the word voice, but the voice came, and there are two words here. Um, the first is, is a noun, and the second is an adjective. The noun refers to the uh, stillness. When the wind stops blowing, there's absolutely no wind. It is totally, totally, totally still, totally calm. And the adjective is to be very, very small. So small you can, you can barely capture it. So it was the voice. It, it, it was the voice that came in the utter, utter, utter stillness. It was a voice that came. Now it doesn't say, um, you know, whether it was an audible voice, what it was, but there it came. It was. A, <laughs> I think that's a, a wonderful account. Now, there is one more account I want to take you to, which I, I love. I, I love all of these accounts, but there's another one I, w I just want to share with you. And that is Paul. Because Paul was like Elijah. In, in fact, the account in Galatians shows that he, he was very similar to Elijah. He, and we, we get the account, there are actually two accounts here. One is in Acts, and in Acts, he, um, on the road to Damascus, 
uh, Yeshua confronted him so that he came to know that Yeshua of Nazareth was, in fact, the promised Messiah. Then he entered the city of Damascus, and where the, the, the people there, you know, the Jews were going to kill him, so they led him out over the wall, and he went to Jerusalem, according to Acts. He went to Jerusalem, and the, and the, uh, um, the apostles in Jerusalem put him on a ship and sent him back to, uh, to Tarsus, his home. Now, in Galatians, we get a little different account. It's not really a different account. I think it just fills in some of the gaps. And, and I want to go to Galatians now, and I want to help you fill in some of the gaps. I'm in Galatians chapter 1, verse 13. And we read here, Paul is speaking, and he says, You have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. You see, he was on his way to Damascus with letters to the synagogues to, to give him permission to bring back the believers in Christ back to Jerusalem. And I was advancing in, Jeru- in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. And then comes the, the account where, where Yeshua confronts him. He now believes that Yeshua of Nazareth is the promised Messiah, and he enters Damascus. And it says, uh, so he went into Damascus. Now, from Damascus, he says, now this is, this is filling in the gap. He says, I did not go up to Jerusalem, not right away. He went up later, but not right away. So this is the gap in between. He did not go up to Jerusalem right away. But I went away to Arabia. Now, Arabia is, is referring here to where, is Mount, where Mount Sinai is located. Arabia is, is a term that was used, you know, in, in the Greek literature. We can see that as that area where Mount Sinai was located. And I, I think it, I, I, I certainly have concluded that he went to Mount Sinai just the way that Elijah went to Mount Sinai. And he was there on Mount Sinai. And after he was in Mount Sinai, he returned to Damascus. And then it says he was in Damascus for three years before he went to Jerusalem. So this is a gap. In Acts, it shows him going directly to Jerusalem, but here in Paul's own words, he fills in the gaps. He was so, so devastated by what happened to him in Damascus. The Jews were trying to kill him, the Christians weren't really listening to him, that he went to Damascus to hear the still, small voice, just like Elijah had heard the still, small voice. And when he went back to Damascus, he was on fire, and he spent three years preaching in Damascus, and so something happened when he was at Mount Sinai. Um, and and it, it's, it's an echo here of the Elijah account. So he would have heard that still small voice. He would have heard from God. That led to his ministry, really, um, or certainly the beginning of his ministry. He spent three years in Damascus uh, before uh, going to Jerusalem. It says in Galatians, that three years later, three years after going back to Damascus, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas, that's Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. Can you imagine Paul in the home of Peter? And the two of Peter was the recognized leader of the church at that time. And and the two of them, the, the conversation that they must have had. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother, and he would become the leader after Peter. And and then they they sent him off to 
uh, to Tarsus for three years, and after three years in Tarsus of searching the scriptures diligently, he was then ready to to start his real ministry, the ministry that that changed the course of the world, um, and and led to the explosion of belief in Jesus of Nazareth, the promised Messiah. Messiah. So. We started this with asking the question, how do we hear from God? I haven't really given you a specific answer because that's the Hebraic way. The Hebraic way is to take you by the hand and lead you, lead you to scripture, give you, uh, open the doors, give you some ways to go in, give you some things to think about. Certainly you approach God in prayer and in the presence of God. Uh, you will hear from him in some way that will be your way. And it should guide you, lead you, whatever you hear, you do it, you obey, you do it. And it I, I can guarantee that it will change your life. We're supposed to change our lives. With that, I just bid shalom.